Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Banker Next Door. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Berquist. This is our weekly banking update. And anybody who knows who's been watching for kind of the last month or so, this is I'm trying to turn this into kind of like the flagship uh, show, if you will, each week for, for the episode. So I have a ton of uh, banking data here to go through, a ton of stuff to get through. Let's see, I don't know if we can get, I don't know if we'll get to it all. Um, lot, just it's, it's amazing to me the last couple of weeks how much uh, information is out there and how much stuff is going on. It just really is wild. But I hope that um, everyone's enjoying the channel so far. I hope that everyone will go check out some of the other uh, episodes I just did. I did a really interesting episode this week on the jobs report. Uh, I talked about JP Morgan Chase uh, continuing to build their branch count. Uh, we went into the the Fed, uh, did their senior loan officer opinion survey, which was kind of interesting. So, uh, so definitely some good episodes there to check out. I hope everyone will go in and look at some of these other things. But uh, before we get too deep into it, uh, I actually was very excited to say that we actually had our very first sponsor uh, this week, which was really cool. And I want to uh, bring that in here now and basically say so our sponsor for uh, this week was Willow Street Pictures. If you are looking for a fantastic photography experience at Willow Street's Custom Photography Studios, uh, the, uh, along with the studios they have, they can kind of create any environment that you're looking to create. Uh, they have state of the art equipment. Uh, which makes everything doing everything a breeze. If you're looking for a place that you're going to go in and basically be treated like a movie star as soon as you get there, Willow Street Pictures is the place for you. They specialize in pet photography, uh, family portraits, and they can basically handle any type of corporate needs that you may have, uh, whether you're looking for photography for your website, looking to do some kind of a marketing campaign, whatever it may be, they have the ability to handle it. Uh, you know, The people at Willow Street are highly experienced, have been around for a very long time, and their crew is a pleasure to work with. And you can find them at their website at www.willowstreetpictures.com. I highly recommend them, and I hope that you will go on and uh, check them out. So, that being said, uh, back to our rapid, we're going to get into rapid fire here. And oh, I, I would like to note that uh, I was very excited today. I was checking a couple things before I came on here to kind of film today. And that is the uh, the podcast actually just went over 500 downloads on the podcast, which I was uh, super excited about because uh, that is, uh, you know, obviously a nice milestone. I, I've only, you know, only been doing this for, for five months. And uh, I think to get that, that many downloads that uh, quick was was pretty awesome. So hopefully we'll we'll be able to hit uh, a thousand uh, just as quick, if not if not quicker. So uh, so like I said, if you're if you haven't been listening on the podcast platform, you know definitely check it out over there. Um, I think, like I said before, I mean, I think eventually uh, the the podcast will always have the episodes that are being put on here on YouTube and Rumble. But eventually, I think there will become a little bit of divergence as I begin to kind of build the the subscription on the podcast, build the, the subscribers over there. Um, and then also offer start to offer a little bit more exclusive content on the podcast platform. So um and I'm already working on a couple of exclusive episodes just for the podcast platform that will uh, be coming out here in the next uh, couple of months. So, but with uh, that being said, let's get into some great news here. So, first of all, uh, economic data, economic reports coming up next week. So, we got uh, consumer inflation expectations on Monday, along with the federal uh, budget balance 
On Tuesday, we got the OPEC monthly report. We got consumer price index. We got the API weekly crude oil stock. On Thursday, we got the continuing jobless claims, core retail sales, initial jobless claims, uh, Philly Fed manufacturing index, uh, retail sales, and industrial production. And then on Friday, we get uh, building permits, core PPI, uh, PPI month over month. Michigan consumer sentiment, and then we got the uh, the Baker Hughes oil rig count. So a lot of economic data. We got some basically some inflation numbers. Uh, we got a little bit of housing numbers with the building permits, and uh, and some of the the labor market with some of the jobless claims and initial jobless claims. So we'll kind of get a, a gauge on that. Uh, obviously, consumer you know consumer sentiment always an interesting thing to look at, and is uh, and is up with the and manufacturing through the Philadelphia Philadelphia Fed. So. Um, so we'll take a look at that uh, bank M&A deal tracker. So 10 deals announced in January, um, but that's actually a pretty small number. Uh, when you go back, you kind of look at the number of bank deals that have been done over the last couple of years. So, uh, for example, in 2021, there was uh, 201 bank transactions. In 2022, there was 158. And in 2023, that dropped down to a mere 98 and now so far year to date, uh, we're only at, at 10 transactions. So, you know, so, uh, you know, you're, you're probably going to be around hundred, 130 transactions, something like that for the year, which is not a, which is not a huge number considering that, you know, kind of before 2020, I would say the decade before 2020, you were probably averaging more in the, the, 225 to 275 range, like right in there, probably around 250 transactions per year um, as the consolidation in the banking industry was was continuing to, to move forward. So we'll keep an eye on that. You can also check out some of my couple of my other episodes that I did on bank M&A transactions. So um, bank bond yields uh, search for direction as Fed waits on rate cuts. So U.S. Treasury yields which move opposite of prices have largely risen since Fed Chairman Jeremy Powell signaled that a rate cut in March was unlikely. The benchmark 10-year Treasury yield settled at 4.09% on February 6th, up 10 basis points from January 31st. Uh, the yield rose as much as 18 basis points after the Fed's January 31st meeting, while the two-year yield, which closely follows rate expectations, settled at uh, as much as 19 points higher, meaning you still have an inverted yield curve. And I've, I've talked about that and uh, the, the, you check out the inverted yield curve episode. Um, so rates are kind of standing pat right now. I mean, the, the, the 10 year treasury has come up a little bit, but not really too much, uh, but not really a whole lot of action at the moment. Obviously people didn't like, uh, at least wall street wasn't crazy about the fed basically saying that they're, 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 pumping the brakes on the rate cuts for right now. Probably have to wait a few more months until we see what happens with that. On a side note, I don't know if anybody saw the uh, last weekend on 60 Minutes, Jeremy Powell did a whole interview on there, which I checked out, which is very interesting. He had some very interesting comments about the national debt, uh, basically saying that he felt like the, you know, the national debt, that there, there was a potential uh, debt crisis there. If anybody goes back to what looks at my national debt episode that I just did a couple of weeks ago, um, you will see that there is, in fact, a matter of fact, a crisis brewing. The path we are on is unsustainable. So what are some of the other things going on? So banks notch deposit growth in the fourth quarter of 23, the frame outlook for rate cuts. So, uh, you know, deposits have been leaving the banking industry, but now they're they're getting back in. Uh, retail investors buying stock, institutional investors sell in January as U.S. bank stocks rally. Um, 
I think whenever you see that, you just got to ask the question, what is it the institutional investors know that the retail investors don't? But, you know, let's continue to see that. Um, why? So here's an interesting article. So why so many Americans are down on the, you know, down on the economy. So basically they're saying that, you know, there's a lot of economic crap, cracks in the economy, you know, inflation, you know, jobs. Again, uh, I just did a, a whole um I just did a whole episode on the jobs reports. Uh, go check that out. In other words, a lot of people are basically drowning in debt right now, whether it be credit card debt, auto loan, student loan debt, maybe all of the above. Uh, the inflation has really killed them. They've had to they've had to take on two, three jobs just to stay above water. So it's it's kind of an interesting thing. Um, SEC increases oversight for hedge funds and high speed traders. So Wall Street's top regulator extended its authority into new corners of the financial industry on Tuesday, adopting rules targeting firms that are among the most active buyers and sellers of U.S. government bonds and stocks. The Securities and Exchange Commission will now require dozens of firms, including high speed traders and hedge funds, to face new capital requirements, register their activities and report more information on their transactions. The changes resulted from the SEC sees three to two vote to broaden its definition of what it considers to be a securities dealer. Um, it couldn't immediately be determined how far reaching the final rules would be after nearly two years of battling between the regulator and the trading and investment industries. Uh, some final tweaks reduced the reach of the proposed plans, potentially easing the worst fears that traders would pull back from important markets such as treasury. Um, so it's, it's interesting. So we'll have, to, we'll have to keep an eye on that and see what happens. Um, I think you have some commercial properties still looking at some issues out there. Uh, liquidity, commercial real estate under the microscope at community banks. So, you know, pressure on community banks net interest margins will persist as institutions continue to uh, price deposits. So deposits remain Firmly in focus for community banks, even with interest rates expected to fall in the second half of 2024, customers continue to shift funds into higher cost products and demand higher rates for their funds, while regulators are encouraging banks to hold more liquidity, leading to pressure on net interest margins. That pressure will eventually subside, but be replaced by higher credit costs. While many community banks will remain attractive returns, others will seek to improve their situation through efficiency programs or by partnering with another institution, i.e. mergers, mergers and acquisitions. So um, efficiency ratios, for anybody who doesn't know in banking, the efficiency ratio is a highly, highly important figure. It basically determines like, what does it cost you to produce a dollar? So in other words, if your efficiency ratio is 61%, that means it costs you 60 cents to generate every dollar of revenue that you generate, that you, that you or $61 to generate every, um, or 61 cents to generate every dollar of profit that you make. So um, efficiency ratios are hanging in there pretty good. Net interest margins are still pretty good for the moment. Uh, return on assets, return on equity, yourself not really too bad at the moment. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that. Uh, U.S. banks, uh, contingent liquidity plans under scrutiny as funding sources shrink. Uh, U.S. banks' contingent liquidity plans are more important than ever, but creating viable and diverse plans will become a tougher task this year as funding sources are limited or stripped away entirely. Uh, basically, the Federal Reserve, their bank term funding program is going to go away in March. Um, so, um, 
So interesting. Uh, Don Muso, who's the president and CEO of FinPro in uh, New Jersey. I actually personally know Don. He's a wonderful guy. Uh, but he commented here, having five-day liquidity doesn't help if it's going to be a digital run. It's going to be, what do we have day one? So kind of an interesting fact. He's Don's kind of talking about how when the other banks failed last year, uh, they, you know what the effect that basically digital um deposits had on those bank that those bank runs and basically how fast people were able to pull money out and get it going and then how social media kind of alerted people to what was going on so much faster than i think anybody had uh thought about or anticipated so to speak in the banking industry so kind of an interesting thing there uh number of credit unions with adverse camel ratings on the rise so um camel ratings are how regulators rate banks. Uh, every bank has a camel rating, but it is a uh, kind of a classified thing. It's, it's a private thing. It's, it's not something the camel's rating is not something that gets publicly released. Uh, it's basically just a rating that is held, you know, between us, between banks and, uh, and the regulators. But, um, but you still get some information on them, kind of like how the camel's ratings in general are doing for the industry. Uh, so it's interesting that the camel's ratings are going up. Uh, that's not a good thing. And, and the camel's ratings, I'll, I'll do a whole episode on it one day, but it's basically the rating is from one to five, takes in, into account a, a whole number of different uh, categories, different areas and stuff like that. So we'll take a look at that. Um, yeah, New York Community Bank provides update on liquidity and deposit position. Uh, everybody should take a look at the episode I just did on New York Community Bank. They had an absolutely wild ride this last week. Uh, so go take a, take a look at that. That's a really interesting thing. Uh, bank regulators to be tougher on credit, less harsh on Basel III and M&A. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. I think they certainly will be tougher on credit, but uh, whether they'll be less harsh on Basel III and the capital rules and M&A, that, that remains to be seen. I mean, they still seem pretty uh, pretty focused on, on going after those two areas. Uh, Two-thirds of bankers expect net charge-offs to increase in 2024. So bankers expect uh, to charge off a higher proportion of loans in 2024, even as economic expectations remain little changed. Um, majority of bankers expect net charge off ratios to increase at their institutions over the next 12 months, but most believe the increase will be small. Um, so we'll have to, I, I think charge offs will go up. Um, here's an interesting story. Uh, the justice department charged three people in the 400 million FTX mystery hack. If anybody saw any of the episodes I did on the crypto series, I did a whole episode on FTX and everything in there. And I talked about how they had had 400 million stolen at the time of the collapse in 2022. And the Justice Department just charged three people last month with what they're describing as a phone hacking scheme that included the hack and heist of Sam Bankman-Fried's one-time company. Um, so the three people are here. They're accused of conspiring to steal dozens of people's identities over a two-year period to siphon money from accounts they held in crypto exchanges and financial institutions. Um, I just thought it was kind of interesting that this was this article was kind of buried in the back of the paper and really didn't get much attention. So it's kind of you know it's very kind of interesting. Uh, Wall Street's gets uh, laser eyes and bid for Bitcoin ETF bucks. It's kind of interesting that now. Uh, Wall Street was, in certain respects, very leery of crypto, and now all of a sudden they're going all in on crypto. Um, you know, it's a very interesting kind of phenomenon there. We'll have to take a look at. Um, 
Again, U.S. community banks ended 2023 with faster deposit growth. Um, U.S. Bank M&A will face more hurdles under OCC proposal. Yes, it will. And I'll, I'll probably do an episode on that, on the OCC proposal for M&A, because I think that's an interesting thing to talk about. Um, DOJ warns of redlining consequences in U.S. Bank M&A transactions. Investors urge Illinois-based bank financial to sell. So Bank Financial Corp is facing shareholder pressure to consider strategic alternatives, including a sale of the company. So I have to keep an eye on that. Uh, da, 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 da. Let's see. What else? What else? Uh, week of whipsawing treasuries cast doubt on soft landing. So the strongest U.S. jobs report in a year. <laughs> uh, you know why I'm laughing if you watch my jobs report episode is dented investors hope the Federal Reserve will drastically slash interest rates this year. Um, ba, 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 ba. Traders are now betting the benchmark federal funds rate uh, will finish the year around 4.2 percent. We'll see what's going on there. Keep it in. So let's see here. What what else we got? What else we got? We're coming to the getting to the end here. Da, da, da. Conversation with Brian Moynihan, staying on top of generative by AI. Uh, what else we got here? Okay, yeah, here we go. Lower rates boost bank pond portfolios, enable cleanup trades. So uh, I did it. I did an episode on the unreal, what's called the unrealized losses in bank bond portfolios. Um, you know, go on and check that out. But, but effectively, bond market did a little bit better last year. Um, that has and that enabled a number of banks in the fourth quarter to basically sell out of the bad positions that they were in. Still took losses uh, in certain in certain situations. The losses weren't as bad as they would have been, but uh, but a lot of banks elected to basically take the hit, you know, make the sale so that they could reposition their portfolios and be in a much stronger capital and liquidity position moving forward. And uh, so I think that played out. However, there's a big however there. Um, the amount of unrealized losses is still sitting at like a hundred and forty billion dollars. It's a huge, it's a huge number. And uh, that, um, yeah, that's not, and that's not going away anytime soon. It's still a major issue for the industry. So, um, and then let's see here. I think that's all I have. I did have one more, I did have one more crazy story for you guys that I wanted to get into. Uh, hang on a second. I got to get out of, got to get out of focus here for a second here. Let me see if I can find this real quick. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Ah, here we, here we go. So last year there was a bank that failed in, I believe this was Kansas. And, but it, it was real weird. And they talked about how there was this whole crypto angle for how this bank failed. And it basically says, so I'm going to read this here. So former CEO of failed Heartland Tri-State Bank, Shane Hayes, was charged of allegedly embezzling $47.1 million from the bank to buy cryptocurrency, Bloomberg News reported, citing court filings. Haynes, who led the Elkhart, Kansas-based bank before its collapse in July of 2023, 
also allegedly took money from a local church, the report said. Prosecutors allege that Haynes embezzled the funds through at least 11 wire transfers of bank funds between May 2023 and July of 2023, and the loss of $47 million ultimately led to the bank's closure, according to the report. Haynes did not immediately respond to emails and calls seeking comment on the charges the news outlet noted. That is a, that's a wild story. Uh, what I'm trying to think of the show that used to be on CNBC uh, uh, what was it? It was, it was basically all of like, you know, crime and fraud and bad actors and stuff like that. I, I, it's, it's escaping me at the moment. I feel, but that feels like, uh, that's what an episode of that is going to be. And I can, and I absolutely cannot wait until we get all the details on that because that will make for a great podcast episode one day. So the reason why I became interested in that was because the initial reports that kind of came pouring out was, was that, this guy, the CEO, went to the kind of largest depositor of the bank and asked him for a loan. And it, and I think that gentleman then kind of blew the whistle on what was going on there. Now, initially, it made it sound like that the CEO had just made um, his own in, investment in crypto, which was not $47 million. They, I think they were talking about, I think initially it was just a, a couple million dollars or $8 million or something like that. And it sounded like he had maybe just gotten over his head in his personal life and but then it was but then it was like, well, OK, well, how did that lead to the bank totally collapsing within literally a few? I mean, this literally happened within a couple of days. And it was like, how in the world did this guy's personal problems end up causing this collapse? So now we find out that apparently, allegedly, this gentleman embezzled forty seven million dollars from this bank to go buy cryptocurrency. And, and so there is definitely more. I'm sure a lot more to come out with that story, but uh, but you know that that definitely goes down as your your crazy story of the week. So anyway, uh, I hope everybody loved this episode. If you you know please make sure to to like, subscribe, uh, share. That always helps the channel. I hope everybody's enjoying so far, and we'll definitely be back with some more stuff uh, this week. Make sure to check out some of the other episodes that I posted, and uh, I'll be back to talk to everybody again real soon. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Have a, a great and hopefully safe time this week. Weekend, and I will see everybody again uh, real soon. Thanks a lot. <laughs>